0: So many owners open their shops with the dream of doing auto repair the right way, being an asset to their community, having free time with their families, and having the ability to create a financial legacy. In reality, so many find themselves working long days, are struggling to find and keep good staff, and can barely pay the bills. Since 2016, the fastest growing automotive repair coaching company, ShopFix Academy's sole purpose is to stop the average small business from destroying the average family. Call 615-645-3683 to speak to someone on their leadership team about seeing if ShopFix Academy is a good fit for your shop. Learn more at shopfixacademy.com.
1: Okay, so I've worked, I worked in dealerships for a long time, and it was always the service writer, service writer, service writer, but I personally like advisor more, because I'm not just writing service, I'm helping customers, I'm advising them as to this is what's wrong, this is how we can help you, and advising them in the future as
0: well. This is Success Leaves Clues, an automotive industry podcast, and I'm your host, Thomas Hayes. Okay, is it service advisor? or service writer. Either way, it is one of the most critical roles in the shop. Because frankly, if the sales aren't there, then the techs don't have hours to turn, the owner sees no profit, and nobody wins. In addition to sales, service advisors or writers must be great at multitasking, customer service, logistics, and sometimes even counseling. But great advisors can do all these things create an incredible customer experience, all while keeping a smile on their face and even having some fun while they're doing it. I believe that those who are successful in this role aren't just born that way. They bring their natural skills, but are fostered by great training and the guidance of a great owner. Today, one of the most successful riders I've ever met is our guest. Her name is Ashley Wright. I won't mention her shop because some of you may get the idea to try to hire her away. Sorry, she is very happily employed. If you're an owner, you'll learn some side tips to how to create a great environment for your advisor and help them grow. And if you're an advisor listening, you'll learn some powerful tips and tricks to become a happy and successful service advisor too. This is a great interview. Stay tuned. An effective online presence is a critical part of your shop's growth and profitability, which is why it only makes sense to use the company that many top-performing repair shops use for managing their online presence, Leads Near Me. Leads Near Me effortlessly increases your car count with a strategic combination of killer websites, high-converting Google ads, traffic-driving social media posts, and more reach them by text or call at 888-953-2379 or visit them online at leadsnearme.com. Leads Near Me, effortlessly increase car count. Ashley, really happy to have you on the show today.
1: Happy to be here. Thank you.
0: Awesome. So uh, Ashley, uh, we've chatted before. You're an amazing service advisor and I'm really happy to have you on the show because we do have a lot of service advisors that are listening and I think you're going to bring a lot of insight. Um, but in case, you know, people listening don't know who you are, who are you?
1: So I am Ashley Wright. I'm from Worcester, Massachusetts. Um, I have been a service writer now for a little under three years. Um, I work in a independent shop, just a single, single shop in Worcester. And I love it. That's basically it. I'm 37 and I... I work every day and I love my job.
0: (laughs) That's awesome. Uh, Okay. Very important question before we get started. Is it service advisor or service writer?
1: I, okay, so I've worked, I worked in dealerships for a long time and it Mm -hmm. was always the service writer, service writer, service writer. But I personally like advisor more. Because I'm not just writing service, I'm helping customers, I'm advising them as to this is what's wrong, this is how we can help you, and advising them in the future as
0: well. That is, we're on the same page. I I, I don't like the term writer either, but I was very curious what your thought was.
1: Yeah, I think advisor makes more sense. It's almost like a, you know, it's, you're a counselor in a way, you know, you're right. almost That's like they're... Yeah, you're their automotive therapist. You know, this is what's wrong with the car. This is what we need to do to fix it. This is what it's going to cost. And this is what you might need in the future. So you're the same thing as doing financial advising. You know, you're just advising them on what they need to
0: do. And, and sometimes you are genuinely a therapist.
1: hundred <laughs> percent.
0: Yeah, I used to write service and, you know, it's crazy what people tell you about their lives. Yes, it has nothing to do with their car, <laughs> but it does have to do with their car.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, so Ashley, you're a talented advisor. What does that look like? What are your stats like?
1: So I am a solo advisor in a two-bay shop. Um, Aaron Stokes likes to say it's a one-and-a-half-bay shop. So does the owner. Uh, so we have one two-post lift, one alignment rack. Um, we average... John would kill me if I got the number wrong, but I think we average 111000 111, a month. Uh, We have two technicians. Um, I do all of the service advising, but I do. I do all of the service writing. I write 100% of the estimates. I do 100% of the calling, 100% of the callbacks. You name it, I do it. I do all of the phone calls, inbound, outbound, everything. Uh, John is essentially, John is here, but he has given me the reins to just have at it.
0: Yes. John is the owner.
1: John is the owner. Yes.
0: Awesome. So uh, those are remarkable numbers for one and a half bays.
1: Yeah, it's, it's a lot. It's my goal every month has been to hit that $140,000 mark. And we have fallen just shy every month that it, you know, by a few hundred dollars, you know, I mean, we've, we've hit one. I remember the first month we hit 100 and i was like oh my god yes like we 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 yeah. did it you know awesome and then for me i i then had the mentality of nope if we can do 100 we can do 110 if we can do 110 we can do 120 why aren't we doing 130 okay guys let's go let's pick up the pace so i definitely have that mentality of okay well that's great last month is over let's see where we can get to with this month
0: yeah you know i think some people would be comfortable and say oh i hit 100 that's the that's the ceiling we're good let's coast but i love the fact that you're like no let's go more let's see how far we can take this thing yeah definitely so what's your story you you've been an advisor for 3 years what did you do before advising
1: so before i was an advisor i worked in the hospitality industry so from the time i was 16 until i was about 26 i waitressed and i learned how to do pretty much. That's where I got my customer service background was just waitressing. Um, I started to do a lot of bartending and (laughs) that's a whole nother kind of therapy for people. And, um, you know, I just, I really enjoy people. I enjoyed that interaction with people and I ended up hurting myself at work. Just my knee was really starting to bother me. And I was like, you know what? Maybe this waitressing 45 to 50 hours a week isn't for me. Let me go find a big girl job. So I ended up starting to do warranty administration for a car dealership. So I did that for about four years. That allowed me to kind of get a little bit of knowledge where I could see the customer concern. I could see what fixed it and things like that. But I was strictly just doing the administration of the warranty aspect. I didn't have any customer interaction and I hated it. It was it was nice because it was a steady paycheck. It was good money, but I was... I was slowly like withering away, not having the interaction with customers, you know, and I wanted to find kind of the next stepping stone. And I always wanted to advance in any way I could and warranty administration, anyone that's done it will know that that's what you do. So I ended up in a sales BDC. So, and for people that don't know what that is, is that's the business development center in a car dealership. So if you're looking for a car online, You're clicking ask for more info or ask for the price. I was the person on the receiving end of that saying, Oh, how can I help you? And this and that. So I then had that customer interaction and I was much happier. I excelled at it. And I just found that sales was kind of my little passion. I got like the thrill of, Oh, yes, that deal closed. Awesome. You know, and granted, I may not have been selling them the car, but to me, it was still a win. So I did that for three years off and on. And then I actually got promoted to a sales manager at the same dealership. I really liked it, but it just wasn't for me. Ended up going back to a different dealership and running an internet sales department. So I ran a BDC for about a year. And then I just really wasn't happy and I left. I said, you know what? It's not for me. I just... There still wasn't something that was clicking for me, and I just wasn't really happy. I didn't feel like I was providing a service, or it just wasn't fulfilling anything inside me. So I actually had to come to this shop. Um, I've known the owner here, John i I've known him for a while. And I ended up coming here because I posted something on Facebook, like, my car needs brakes, who can help me? And I came here and the dealership that I had been working at said, oh, you need four wheel brakes. You need all this stuff. And I said, okay, you know, great. What's that going to cost me? I got the price quote and I almost passed out. So I came here. John said, look, we'll figure it out. Let's see what you need. I ended up only needing front brakes and just the honesty and just yeah. just how different it was. You know, and anybody that knows John knows he's a stand up guy, but being a woman going into a repair shop, was like, whoa, you're not trying to take advantage of me? Perfect. So I ended up just getting my brakes fixed and we just started talking. And I told him that I wasn't working. And he said, well, have you ever given any thought to doing service writing? And I said, no. (laughs) You know, what do you mean? What is that? And he kind of filled me. And he's like, why don't you just try it one day? And I ended up filling in here. He ended up at a conference. So I filled in here one Thursday for him. And I didn't know... I didn't know my left foot from my right foot when I was answering a phone call, trying to build a quote. I didn't know anything. And I just, I, I just winged it. He basically said, look, I, he had a technician at the time that was writing his quotes. So all I had to do was call the customers and try to sell them. And I think I probably, I'm probably wrong, but maybe I sold like $400 that day. If that, I mean, it was Falling on my face, falling on my face, falling on because I didn't know what I was doing, you know, I didn't feel comfortable. I was but I was just helping him so that someone was answering the phones. So then I was like, well, it could be good. So he hired me and threw me right in. He was in the middle of switching from Napa Tracks over to Techmetric. So
0: That's a big transition. <laughs> I, Those are very different pieces of software. I have
1: been blessed that I have never actually had to use Napa tracks here. So... Yeah. <laughs> and techmetrics so user-friendly, but it was nice because I was learning it at the same time he was. So it was kind of a... It was a really big learning curve. So, you know, I, I got to kind of sit next to him for a few weeks and just listen to him on the phone, see yeah. how he interacted with customers. And then he was like, "All right, why don't you make some phone calls? Why don't you start to do some of this and slowly put me into it?" And I was like, "Okay, you know." Now I am a, I am a loud. I'm an extroverted introvert, so I'm the loudest introvert in the room. You know, I'll always say hello to everybody, but I, if you want to have a conversation, I'm like, you know, and the thought of trying to tell somebody they needed a seven thousand dollar engine repair was like, oh gosh, you know, and. He said to me, he was like, look, just take deep breaths and you'll figure it out, you know? So the rest is history.
0: (laughs) So, you know, you you have that initial experience. He threw you in. He saw that potential. He brought you in. He gave you that ramping up period. And you, you know, obviously gained skill. I mean, you're, you're crushing it now. What did that process look like of going from being very green to being where you are today.
1: It was intense. So from the beginning of it, John was tough. John has expectations. He wants everyone to perform like he performs. You know, he expects the best from all of his employees and for me it was difficult for me because I am that person that always wants to be the people pleaser. I always wanna make sure i'm doing everything right and make sure i'm doing everything to the best of my ability and i mean it was to the point where he rode me so hard sometimes that i wanted to quit i mean there were days that i was like nope this isn't for me and nope i'm i'm all set i don't want to do it anymore he's like okay i'll see you tomorrow you know and i still showed up and i i just i i kept kicking and it's you know the the biggest thing for me was that he just never stopped believing in the fact that i had potential so, that for me was kind of my driving force because if I couldn't see the potential in what I was doing, the fact that he could was like, oh, okay, well, maybe I've got something. I mean, he's been in business doing this since 2009. Obviously, he knows what he's doing. So, maybe I should listen to him.
0: <laughs> How did you grow in your skill set?
1: Sales, sales fix 110%. Um, from the first. John put me in SalesFix after I was a service advisor for him for a little less than a year. He basically sat me down one day, had a conversation in the office, said, look, you're starting to do good. You know, you're, you're learning a lot of things, but Aaron has this new program for sales fix and, you know, I can get you into one of the first classes. But here's the thing. It's a big investment. I need to know if you're invested in this. Is this something that you're going to want to do? Is this something that you see yourself wanting to do? And he said, I want you to go home. I want you to think about it for a couple of days. And then I want you to let me know. I went back to him the next day. I was like, nope, I'm in it. Let's go. So sales fix for me was huge. You know, John knows so much, but just all of those relationships that I kind of manifested and grew into in sales fix was huge. I mean, I have this little support group that we have a little Facebook group chat and we text and we message each other all the time and... You know, we'll brag, we'll cry, we'll boast, we'll we'll ask for help. You know, and it, it's that's huge for me. And I think just having having the opportunity for all of the tough, I'll call it tough love that John gave me. You know, there were phone calls that I would have, there were customer interactions. I mean, if I'm being honest, when you want to talk about me being green, I sold somebody a car here. I mean, they they walked in, they needed. Four thousand dollars worth of work, and I basically said, "Yep, you you should go to the car. You should go to the car dealership. There's one down the road. My friend Matt Laramie, he works there. He'll take good care of you." And John made me watch that interaction, and in my head, I was like, "Oh, I'm helping them because, you know, their car's twenty years old and it's gonna have a lot of issues, and you know." And John was like, "No, you don't do that," and I was like, "Okay," (laughs) but he was just very real with me. You know, he. He didn't sugarcoat anything. Anyone that knows him knows he doesn't sugarcoat. But for me, I think 50-50, I would say 50% John riding me to the point where I was like dreading hanging up phone calls with customers because I knew he was going to call me the second I hung up to all of the positive. I mean, the sales fix, just the coaches, you know, Mike Tadich was available 24-7, it felt like for me you know, and there were days that he would talk me off ledges. (laughs) I'd call him crying outside. I'd be like, I called a customer and they said no. And John called me and said, I did everything wrong and I don't know what to do. And maybe this isn't for me. And he said, this is for you. Stop it. You'll be fine. Figure it out. You know, let's work through the call. You know, listening to my own phone calls, that was a huge thing for me. You know, I don't know if a lot of stores record their incoming calls and outbound calls, but we do. So we have the ability to actually listen to them. So that was huge too.
0: What would you say would be some of the aha moments you've had along the way?
1: I think the first one was the first like big job I ever sold. Um, You know, it's, it's pretty easy to tell somebody who comes in when their brakes are grinding that they need brakes and they're going to say, Oh, okay. But you know, the first, I think it was either an engine or a transmission job. And it was like an $11,000 ticket. And I went upstairs and I went in John's office (laughs) and I said, can you call these people? I said, why? He said, that's what I hired you for. I said, yeah, but you know more. And if they ask questions and he said, nope, go downstairs, make the phone call, do it on speakerphone so I can hear it. And I'll interject in any way if I have to. I said, okay. So my other aha moment would be at the sales fix graduation ceremony, where I actually got to meet all of the other kind of service advisors and Everybody else in sales fix and especially the people that I had become kind of really close with and had kind of bonded with and just hearing their experiences and people saying, I can't believe you do what you do out of a two bay shop and things like that and me just kind of saying, Well, what do you mean? I mean, you guys do two hundred thousand dollars in a month, you guys do, you know, seventy thousand dollar weeks and I'm over here trying to do a twenty thousand dollar week. What do you mean? And for me, one of the biggest things And one of the biggest aha moments that I've ever had was realizing that I'm not competing against other shops. I'm competing against myself, competing against my own numbers, competing against, well, this is what I did in June. So this is what I need to do in July. This is what I need to do to get to that $1.4 million for the end of the year and things like that. And just realizing that it's not my little two-bay shop against another two-bay shop in Wisconsin or wherever. It's me against me. 2021 or 2020, and just making sure that those numbers are just continuing to go up.
0: What would you say keeps you motivated to stay in that place of always wanting to push on?
1: I am grossly competitive with myself. So I'll look at the weekly, I'll look at the weekly kind of numbers and I'll say, okay, well, last week I did. Hang on, I'm gonna pull up the tracker because now I wanna I wanna give good numbers here. So let let's say, okay, looking at this month in September, you know, I'm gonna say, okay, week two I did thirty three thousand. Okay, awesome. Week three, ugh, I only did thirty one. You know, what's going on? Okay, that's great. But week four I did forty thousand. So, you know, for me, I look at that thirty one thousand dollar week and I'm like, no, 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 not happening. And then it just happened to be that the shop owner was in a conference in Texas for that week four. And I was like, nope, best week ever. Let's, let's crank it out. Let's do everything we can. And, you know, I got the team on board and I said, guys, like, let's just strive to do everything that we can do to get it up and up and up.
0: Did you know that some web design companies use the same wording across all their clients' sites? Unfortunately, this common practice is noted by Google as plagiarism, which will cause your site to be ranked lower. That's why it's critical that whoever makes your shop's website knows better. That's why so many top shops trust leads near me to create and manage their shop's websites. As Google certified partners, they know how to make a top-ranking website from an insider's perspective. Get a free site analysis by visiting leadsnearme.com or calling 888 953 2379. Leads Near Me, effortlessly increase car count. How much of your success do you feel like is you working with your team?
1: 100%. I think that it, uh, yeah, I would say 100%. If you can't get your text behind solid inspections, then there's not going to be any work for you to quote. If you don't have the proper leadership in your shop or the proper, you know, if your shop owner's not mentoring you in the right way and not consistently saying to you and holding you accountable, I think accountability is the biggest thing. You know, I took all of the advice and all of the help from my shop owner as criticism, when in fact, it was just accountability. It was, well, hey, you know, how come you only did $2,000 in sales? Well, well, nobody wanted to buy anything or that everybody was waiters or this and that. And, you know, I had an excuse for everything and just realizing that, hey, everything, it's full circle. It's, a, it's one big circle from the second that customer walks in, they greet me, their car goes to the tech, The tech quote comes back to me. I call that customer back. It's a complete circle. And if everybody's not on board and everybody's not with the same processes and if everybody doesn't know their roles and kind of the integral factor that they are in the shop, then it's not going to succeed.
0: One of the most important relationships, you know, what you alluded to is that relationship between you and your technician. How do you foster and maintain that really good relationship? Coffee.
1: I, I throw coffee down there. No, I, I, I think it's finding ways to communicate with each of them. I have two technicians, two completely different personalities, two completely different work styles. Um, so just realizing kind of how, and how people perceive things, you know, I, I, I like to think about like the five love languages (laughs) and my, my love language is words of affirmation. I, I am a good job, you know? Yes. Good for that. And that's exactly what I try to do. Um, you know, just making sure that they know how big of a piece of this puzzle that they are. You know, I think that the problem is, is, you know, when we were looking for technicians and we were trying to hire another technician, one of the biggest complaints that we would get from technicians from dealerships were I'm just another number. I'm just somebody else that's punching in and they don't care. And just, you know, I have a technician right now that's trying to buy a house and every day I'll say, hey, how's the house hunt going? Or how's everything? How was that open house this weekend? Or, you know, and I'll ask the other one, hey, any new plans this weekend? Or how's how is the gig? Cause he's in a band, you know, or how, how is the bar? How's the gigs going? You know? Just making them feel like they're not just another person that's punching in here because I've never felt that way working here and I would never want a technician to feel that way. And also just yeah. open communication. You know, we use Slack here, especially since we are so small, that I have customers four and a half feet away from me at any given time. So if a technician's gonna tell me, oh, well, this car is gonna blow up, I don't want them coming in and saying that. So you know, we have that slack so we can converse and, you know, things like that. And they'll always say to me, hey, what do you think I should do with this? Or I'll ask them questions. And just always having constant communication with your technicians is so
0: key. If you have a technician that, let's say that they're, they're not giving you good quotes, how do you handle that situation? It's
1: happened before. Um, being that we are so small, if our tech quote is not where it needs to be, we we would never hit the numbers you know that we want to hit. Our goal for Techco is eleven hundred to twelve hundred dollars. We've had it before. We currently have two newer techs for us. Um, our previous shop form and moved, so we had to hire a replacement. So getting him into the digital inspections and getting him up to speed with you know the this is why waiters are so important. This is why thorough inspections are so important. I we've, sit, we've sat them down and said, look, guys, this is where the tech quote needs to be. Even if you're finding $50 to $60 additional on every single car that you're looking at, that will help that average, that will help the overall goal. And just getting them in that mindset that we're obviously never quoting things that aren't needed, but quote that preventative maintenance, right. quote those things that you see. You know, if that drive belt, if it looks original and the car is five or six years old, quote them a drive bill. If you know that they're at 60,000 miles and they probably need a transmission fluid service or a coolant service, go ahead and quote that. I'm quoting it on the back end. So you can go ahead and quote that as well. You know, and just having them realize, oh, okay, you know, and they're both on flat rate, So they both understand that the more that they're quoting with my close ratio, where I want it to be every month, they know what they're going to be looking at. So
0: that brings up another question, you know, Technology is quickly evolving (laughs) in our industry. Um, You know, DVIs are becoming more and more prominent. How has the changes in technology affected your role?
1: I've been blessed with TechMetric from day one. (laughs) So the software that we use is so user-friendly and it's also very customer-based as well. Um, From the moment that the technician brings that car and they're doing a video walk around of the car, they're pointing out any kind of damages they're pointing out anything like a broken antenna or oh, hey, this handle doesn't open. That's covering both bases. That's covering the shop's rear end and saying, well, look, you know, this was already damaged prior to service. And that's also letting the customer know, oh wait, I didn't realize that I had, you know, missing, I didn't know I was missing a tire pressure sensor or, or little things like that, you know, things that the customer may not have known. The digital inspection is so key because we send a hundred percent of our inspections to hundred percent of our customers. So every car that comes in is getting an inspection. They're getting photos of anything. If the battery test's good, there's a picture of a positive battery test on there. If the battery test's bad, there's a picture of negative one. Being able to visually see things sometimes for people, just put it in perspective. You can tell a customer, oh, you know, your brakes are at five millimeters. There's some rotor raw. You know, that's more than likely the cause of your pulsation. When the customer looks and they see that half of their rotor is... <laughs> gone from the raw, you know, they they're, they're going to be more apt to understand it more.
0: So, my I was speaking recently to a a dealer service advisor and they're switching to just sending the customer, you know, the DVI and letting the customer, you know, decide what they want. How do you incorporate DVI into your sales process?
1: Every single customer's car that gets dropped off gets DVI'd when it gets brought in the first time. So, Let's say you bring your car to my shop and you say, I've got a god-awful grinding noise. I say, okay, Thomas, so sorry to hear about that. What we're going to have you do is we're going to have you authorize a brake inspection. While the vehicle's in here for a brake inspection, I'm going to have my technician just go through, do a full digital inspection. But once he's finished with that brake inspection, I'm going to give you a call first and go over anything that he finds with that. So I'm always addressing that customer's concern first. So my very first phone call to that customer is only on what their issue is. If they came in for a check engine light, my technician's still doing the digital inspection, but by the time that I'm calling that customer, they should have a story saved in there for their diagnostic testing or what they found. So I'm always only calling the customer first and foremost on their concern. Then once they approve that work, that's when I'm saying to them, well, you know what? While the vehicle's in here for that repair, we're waiting for those parts to come in. I'm going to have that technician go through. Do a nice vehicle checkup for you. Once that's finished, I'll send that over to you. That'll have some pictures, maybe some videos of anything else that's needed or recommended. And then I'll give you a call and I'll go over it all. I don't ever let the customer see the inspection, see the estimate without a phone call from me coming a minute or two after. Textbook. <laughs> I try.
0: <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so a couple of things about service advising that that is really interesting to me is one, It is wildly stressful. Um, At least it was for me. Do you find it stressful?
1: I would lie if I said I didn't. Um, I, I have always kind of... I've been one of those people that I thrive in stressful environments. I can focus better when I'm hectically busy. So I have so many different processes from clipboards to printed tickets to you know, notebooks. I mean, I have probably 15 of these tiny little notebooks all over the place with customers things and I check it off as I go. And, you know, it's a hundred percent. It's, it's very stressful, but for me, the ratio of the stress to reward doesn't even compare.
0: What would be some tips for advisors out there on managing that stress effectively?
1: Um, slow down and write everything down. When, you're, when I was first starting out, I wrote down everything. I, would get, I got to the point where, I mean, when I first started, I couldn't answer a phone and write a quote at the same time. I would have to stop what I was doing in the computer, answer that customer's phone call, open a second tab so I could put their appointment in. I mean, I, I would have to just stop and do one task at a time. And if that's where you're at, live in that moment because it's only going to get better. You know? Come up with processes. I'm a firm believer that if I didn't have all of the processes that the owner and sales fix taught me, that I would not be remotely as confident and as good as I am now. I think that, you know having zero experience in the service advising and service writing aspect of it. You know, I didn't know that when you quoted a timing chain job that you should probably quote tensioners. I didn't know any of that when I started. I didn't know, you know, when you're quoting a radiator, you should probably quote the radiator hoses too. service the system, not just the component. And for me, I'm like, you know, those are all things that you'll learn. And being a green service advisor, that's almost the best place to be because there's nowhere to go but up from there. And just be a sponge. That's the best thing I could tell you. Just be a sponge. Get knowledge from anywhere you can possibly get knowledge from.
0: What's been your experience being a female in a very male-dominated industry?
1: It was interesting to begin with. So a little bit different in my situation is because the owner was always the face of the company. So the owner was always the advisor, the writer. Everybody knew that they came and they called, they talked to John. So when I first started it was, "Where's John? Where's John? Yeah. Can I talk to John? Can I talk to John? I don't know who you are. Can I talk to John?" And I'd say, "Well, ma'am I? I'm actually, you know, going to be able to help you. you. know How can I help you? What can I help you with?" And it, it did take a while, and I think that I think John words it really well is that my ability to just calm somebody down and like, custom, I'm so customer service-oriented that I think people trust me a little bit more because of that because I genuinely care. Yeah. and I think that being a female in a male dominate it's it's I look at it as a benefit because I know that I've single-handedly changed how a lot of people view repair shops just based on their interaction with me. Yeah so I mean we are we're a five star Google rated shop right now which was like the best day awesome. ever. I remember that day and I, I mean, we were 4.8, 4.9 for so long. And I remember, and I was like, oh my God, like five stars. And of course, John, I think he was at a conference or he was somewhere. And I was like, we hit five stars. I was so excited. And I just remember a lot of the reviews mentioned me by name. And I love that. I, I strive for a five-star review that has my name in it because A lot of women customers will come in here and they expect it to be dingy. They expect it to be dark. They expect a guy behind the counter going, you need an exhaust. And, you know, just doing, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) you know, and just being the opposite of that. I, I take so much pride in it, you know, and I'm really, um, I'm really proud of where, where I've improved and I'm just really proud in just kind of being in this industry because it's, you make a difference. And I think for me, seeing the faces of, I mean, the male customers make me happy too, but the women customers that you know that they left here not feeling like they got taken advantage of, or they left here maybe knowing a little bit more about their car or knowing that they need to get oil changes every 5,000 miles, not 15, things like that, that it's good.
0: You're changing the face of the industry one customer at a time. It's the
1: goal.
0: I love it. It's the goal. So what are some of your future goals?
1: So I, it's actually really funny. So let's have a little chat. So I went to the shop fix conference with John back in August Mm -hmm. that I went to shop hackers and I didn't realize it, but apparently we kill it. And I know that we work really hard and for our little shop, it's, I know that our numbers are really good, but I didn't realize until I got down there and I had people saying, oh, well, you can come work for me. And if you ever want to go to Florida, you know, there's a job for you. And John's just standing behind me gone. Ugh. And I'm like, I'm not going anywhere. Look, I'm not going anywhere. The, the ultimate goal is obviously advancement. Yeah. Um, advancement in any way, shape or form. Um, we're currently looking for a second location. Well, we're in the middle of the second location, um, acquisition, I'll call it. So um obviously the goal for me would be hiring probably a replacement for me here so I can go to the second location, get that up and running, and then become almost like a manager of the two, so to speak. Um I I just I I I found a home here. And that's that's rare. You know, it's rare to go to work every day and not feel like oh, here we go. You know, it's a great feeling. And it's a great feeling when I when I leave and I'm like, Oh God, look how much I did today. Or look at all these people that I made happy or, you know, oh. so definitely advancement.
0: I, uh, I hope you'll keep me posted on that.
1: Yes, I will. Good.
0: <laughs> all right. I've got one more critical question for you. Okay. If you were a car, what kind okay. of car would you be?
1: <sighs> so, I thought about this because I saw your message earlier about the question. And that was the one question that threw me. So anyone that knows me that is listening to this knows that I have a little Volkswagen Cabrio and the owner got it for me for my two year work anniversary here. It's a little 2002. It's a little summer beater.
0: Yeah.
1: I'm going to say it. I think I'd be a Volkswagen Cabrio. It, is, it does what it needs to when it needs to it's a lot of fun when you want it to be. And it's, it's short. It's a short little thing. And I'm a short little thing. I mean, I'm five foot nothing. So (laughs) I'm going to go with that. I'm going to say, I, you know, I thought about it and I was like, oh, I'm a Bentley. I'm a Rolls Royce. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm a little, I'm a little summer beater Volkswagen Cabrio. I, I get the job done when I need to, but I'm fun when I don't need to get the job done.
0: That is a fantastic <laughs> I love it. Well, Ashley, this has been a wonderful interview. So I fun. Wait. Yeah. I, I can't wait to get this up for everybody. Um, yeah. It's been a pleasure having you on the show.
1: Thank you so much for having me. Appreciate it.
0: That was my interview with Ashley Wright. I want this show to serve and impact as many people as possible in our industry. To help me in that mission, please leave us a review, subscribe to the show, and tell others about us. If you'd like to contact me, you can email me at thomas at slcautopodcast.com or call 615-656-8804. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. No two shops are the same. That's why cookie cutter advice and coaching does not work. In order for your shop to get to the next level, you must have an action plan designed around your shop's unique needs. You'll also need accountability and encouragement along the way. Let ShopFix Academy help you create your best shop. Call 615-645-3683 to speak to someone on their leadership team about seeing if ShopFix Academy is a good fit for your shop. Learn more at shopfixacademy.com.